Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're returning to a conversation we started last year with Jeremy Kopeck, co-founder of Noah Home and proud furnisher of D2C's home studios here on Hipwood. Our last podcast detailed Noah Home's meteoric rise to eight figures with a lean, mean team. Today's talk focuses on what happens when that kind of track record gets noticed by strategic investment partners like Bassett Furniture, the massive legacy manufacturer, retailer who acquired them late last year. This podcast dives in on the pros and cons of strategic investment partners over VC or institutional investors, as well as some green flags to look out for during the process to ensure things go smoothly. We'll chat about the synergies created when legacy companies roll up innovative startups, as well as the challenges of these types of integrations. Curl up on your leather couch for this one, because you know I'm going to be on mine. On with the show. We met with VCs and felt that that conversation was not what we were looking for, like growth at all costs. We always wanted to focus on healthy unit economics. We never raised money prior to selling the business. And it's been a tumultuous past two years. A lot of our competitors have deeper pockets, fundraised in 2019, 2020, 2021. We actually started to see headwinds earlier than our peers on the basis that we always were working with our own resources. Unfortunately, in our space, some of the most incredible brands that we've always looked up to have not been able to overcome some of the headwinds from the past year or so. This episode is brought to you by Live Recover, an incredibly effective Shopify app that gives you access to an expert team of live agents who work on behalf of your brand to recover abandoned checkouts in real time. Live Recover is able to reach six times more potential customers than email or SMS automations because they have actual humans sending personally crafted messages to anyone who leaves their phone number at checkout. Live Recover doesn't conflict with your email and SMS tools like Klaviyo or Voyage SMS and can lift your top line revenue by over 10%. Check them out and get a 30-day no-risk trial when you sign up at liverecover.com slash DTC. Jeremy, thanks for coming back to the D2C podcast. I'm looking over at my living room here. I have one of your amazing sofas now gracing my my life. Huge proponent of no home. It's, it's just one of the best couches I've ever had. Uh, so catch us up on your progression since we last spoke. Thanks. It's it's great to be back and uh, and really happy that you're enjoying your uh, your new product from Noah Home. Uh, so much has happened since we last spoke, and I think it's been a year. It's been exactly a year since we last connected. A lot's happened um, within our business, outside of the business. Right? You know, the environment has changed dramatically since uh, last year. And at Noah, I think when we last spoke. You know, we had eclipsed uh, 19, 20 million dollars. We were bootstrapped, and that that exponential growth really brought us on a path of thinking about what was next for the business and how we could get there. And we basically decided that we needed a great partner uh, to help us capitalize the business and, and keep running a great a great business and great company. And so, over the summer, uh, with the help of a great investment bank. Uh, we met some parties uh, and ultimately landed on a phenomenal business, a phenomenal partner uh, we couldn't be more happy with, having sold the Noah home in September of uh, 2022. 
congratulations on the exit. That's fantastic. Uh, so you decide you want to partner. You go to this bank. What what was the landscape when you started looking for a partner? Like, what were your options that, that you had? It's a good question. So at first, we made a decision to reach out to our own network, uh, my business partner and I. And, you know, as helpful as that was, uh, reaching out to our network, uh, it was limited. And the D2C space and the furniture vertical within the D2C space is, is quite unique. It's highly capital intensive. Um, it's an industry that's relatively small in the sense that there's not a lot of players like apparel. Um, and then when you speak to folks in the investor community, the metrics, the operating model, the complexity of warehousing and shipping doesn't land very well with everyone. So what we felt after having reached out to our own network was we needed an investment bank. And we wanted bankers that would have a network within the industry and with institutional investors across VC, private equity, family offices, and uh, strategics or, or other brands, other businesses that are operating within the space. Um, so we kicked that off in spring of 2022. And you, I know that you went with a strategic. And this, I remember from our pre-interview, I was just kind of learning about these different categories of money out there. Did you zero in on that quickly or did you meet examples of each of those opportunities and assess them? So we went through the array of investors from VCs, uh, who are looking for exponential growth, um, lots of growth. At the time that we began the raise, it was still when uh, private markets were quite bullish, if I could put it that way. So when we kicked off our fundraising, um, the war in Ukraine had just started. Inflation hadn't really kicked in uh, at, you know, at a publicly, you know, the way the media was bringing it up. So we met with VCs and felt that that conversation was not what we were looking for, like growth at all, at all costs. As you know, Eric, we are a bootstrap company and we always wanted to focus on healthy unit economics and so on. We then segued into private equity funds. Um, very different conversation, very interesting. We also had to look at investors, both in the VC and PE world outside of Canada. So we're we're based in Canada, uh, but operate a global brand, as you know. So we were speaking to parties from Europe, Australia, US, Canada, and predominantly the most interesting conversations that we had were from the US or originating from the US and were with what uh, many bankers or many will call strategic. So whether that's in retail or um, in you know manufacturing, uh, wholesale, who may have an interest in bolting on a D2C brand or whatnot. And there's been a, a lot of those uh, acquisitions in the past you know, 12 to 18 months. And what was very different for Noah Home within the furniture space um, is that we actually never had capital in the sense that we never raised money prior to selling the business. And as you know, it's been a tumultuous past two years. So a lot of our competitors who have deeper pockets who fundraised in you know, 2019, 2020, 2021, uh, and had some runway, we actually at NOAA started to see headwinds earlier than our peers on the basis that we always were working with our own, you know, our own resources. 
And unfortunately in our space, uh, luckily for us, but unfortunately for some, some of the most incredible brands that we've always looked up to, Made.com and others, have unfortunately not been able to uh, to overcome some of the headwinds from the past past year or so. Uh, so we're very, very grateful to have kicked off that process when we did. And to be profitable and bootstrapped and have a good handle on your unit economics before you went in that process, right? I imagine being a profitable bootstrap business was massively helpful in the process, even against the headwinds. So there were, there have of course been periods where we were not, uh, mm-hmm. others where we were, uh, but by and large, we've always run a very lean business. Again, you probably remember the story. We grew from, we grew $50,000 into about $20 million of business with only about five employees in four countries in four or five years. Um, that level and that rate of growth was very hard, very taxing personally and for the team. And during the last 12 months, it was exceptionally difficult, Eric, due to mainly the supply chain, uh, which is a subject that's come up with many guests on podcasts and beyond where furniture, especially because the goods are so big, uh, had to eat up so much freight uh, from Asia, where most of the goods at the time that we were buying uh, originated from. So so very difficult, (laughs) to say the least. Those container costs fluctuated wildly over the past couple of years. They did. They went from an average of about two to $3,000 from Asia to most ports in America to up to $30,000. Um, the, the amount of margin erosion can't be captured properly on this podcast. It's, it, it was very, very difficult. And the consumer, of course, couldn't take on, you know, those price increases. And then in Canada... In our industry, a number of tariffs came into play during the last two, three years. And so that also altered, you know, the landscape for a lot of companies importing goods, which was, you know, just another thing to add to, you know, inflation, supply chain, consumer pullback, and so on. So in this, in this, with this background, you go to the market um, to look for funding, you settle on strategic investors. Let's talk about the actual suitor who came in and bought and why they've been such a good fit. Yeah, so I guess... You know, the first reason to go with a bank, uh, one is to have, you know, to understand our business, everything within the financials, within the landscape, the environment. Uh, so that's number one, really understanding us, you know, who are, who are selling the business. I think the second thing that the bankers brought was, uh, was a network of potential suitors, uh, buyers. And then the third is to create you know, a dynamic where there's bids that are interesting uh, for all parties. So that, that's like, you know, kind of at the outset. And through, you know, countless conversations, we've inevitably met a handful of strategics, one of which um, was truly amazing. And so we met them last summer, both in Montreal, where we're based, and where they are based um, in the United States, a uh, number of different meetings, getting to know each other on a personal level, as well as understanding our business, the, the vision that we had at NOAA, and how it could integrate well into theirs. And again, as, as I was kind of mentioning, there's been a lot of changes in the furniture industry. So Vietnam surpassing China as the primary exporter. The supply chain and the cost of freight, Eric, has dramatically forced a lot of companies in this space to think about sourcing locally 
or manufacturing in the United States or Canada for their North American operations and so on. And so we, in the conversations that we had with the uh, the buyer, we felt that there were so many incredible synergies aside from growth, which were manufacturing locally, being able to leverage their experience and expertise. The company's over 100 years old, explore new distribution channels, retail, wholesale, and beyond. Um, So we felt that was very compelling. And those are things that don't traditionally come with, you know, VC, private equity, you know, aside from a a check. (laughs) Are we able to name them? Are we able to talk about who it is? Yes, it's public. Uh, It is a publicly traded company, um, Bassett, Bassett Furniture. Bassett Furniture, which has been around for, I just see, I'm looking at this, it's been around since 1902 and it's a publicly traded company. Amazing. It is, it is. And they are phenomenal people. Uh, I can't, I can't, you know, overstate that. And, and I think something gets missed, you know, whether that's on Twitter or LinkedIn or in the press when companies sell their businesses, there's a, there's a lot left unsaid, you know, what the founders are looking for, what the buyer is looking for. Uh, not everyone wants to just grow at all costs. Sure, there's, you know, financial rewards, but there's so much more to this. And so we're really happy to be part of this company and, and see a really a really exciting future. And it seems super strategic. You've got this company that has this amazing distribution footprint, probably throughout the United States, maybe around the world. Uh, and then you've got your uh, you know, operation, which is really strictly D to C. Is that correct? It's still, it's, you, you, do you have a warehouse or do you have retail locations as well? Or are you entirely D to C? We had a, a retail shop in Singapore uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, we did close it during the pandemic you know, due to regulation. It was great. And in the furniture space, having a place to touch and feel and try baskets of, you know, $1,800 on average uh, really bumps up the conversion rate. Um, we did close that. And so partnering with the right uh, acquirer was something that, you know, was important to us to say, hey, could we expand beyond the, you know, digital, the digital space? And they probably had very little digital footprint being a company that's been around since 1902. Is that right? So Bassett historically is a manufacturing company. They do have, um, I may not get this number right, but close to 100 retail locations uh, across the United States. And they are online, uh, but certainly they are more, uh, the the, fundamentally they are a manufacturer and a retailer. And e-commerce is certainly a newer channel, a newer platform for Bassett. Whereas for us, we're pretty much strictly D2C. Yeah, what a, what a great strategic fit. You told me a personal story that you had with either the founder or the CEO that really helped accelerate the process. Because I understand this actually happened over a pretty short period of time as far as acquisitions go. It, it did. Um, I think, you know, uh, you know the, again, the investment banks, they, they help facilitate deals, uh, deal flow transactions and so on. And of course, there's a diligence period once, you know, a LOI is signed, but, but fundamentally a merger. So this is not, you know, just like a minority capital raise. This was an acquisition. And so the process with a larger company, a publicly traded company, um, has to go through a number of phases. And of course, there's legal, uh, accounting, and so on. You know, to, to have a process that's really streamlined, 
um, I think requires a really great partnership from both sides and a desire to make this happen. And so we were we were really lucky to to meet with them in person in the United States. And I've been in this industry for 20 years. Um, it's it's an industry I love. I love furniture. I love design. And I really wanted to understand as much as I could uh, about this rich, deeply rich company who has a heritage uh, in Bassett, Virginia. And I wanted to live it as much as I could before we met with them. So I actually went to a number of their stores before meeting with uh, with the team there. And uh, I guess you could call it, you know, shop, shop. Uh, their stores, experienced what they do, the product, and it was very, very compelling. And uh, when we finally met with them and and I kind of talked about my experience in their stores, I think that went a long way in showing that this was not just about, you know, fundraising. This was this was something very meaningful to us that we wanted to we wanted to show the respect we have for what they've done and what we believe we could achieve together. So kind of immersing ourselves in their company as much as we could uh, was important to me. Uh, and that, I think, helped. And what was, what, how long from maybe that meeting or you know, actually meeting them in person to having something closed did it take? Um, so the whole process probably was from in, like the beginning of the fundraising to you know, to closing a deal um, was probably, say, depending on where you pick your date, maybe four to six months. Once we met the right party, I would say from start to finish, it was probably ninety days, something like that. Unreal. Um, but but you know, through that there was just introductory calls, pitches, uh, emails going back and forth. Um, from the moment that we, you know, we believed that this was going to happen, uh, it moved quickly. But that was a desire from both sides. I've heard horror stories of how, you know, legal accounting diligence could trip up deals just for a host of reasons. And again, we're super lucky that we had um, a party, a partner that wanted this to, to materialize. And so we both worked really hard to make it happen quickly. Amazing. So big congrats. Did you intend on like when you decided you wanted a partner and entering that process, I guess you looked at all different options, but did you go into that process wanting to sell outright in a, in a full acquisition or did that just become the best option? That's a really good question. So it evolved and it evolved as we met, you know, when we were meeting VCs and, and PE firms, Eric, even family offices, a handful of those, um, those were mainly what we call, you know, significant minority deals. So they're they're less than fifty percent, but they're you know, high forties, something like that. And the environment when we started the process was shifting dramatically week over week, like the war in Ukraine, inflation. So when we kicked things off in the late spring. By the summer, the conversations were changing very, very quickly. You know, everything from uh, valuations, deal, you know, details, the appetite to close deals and so on. So our own expectations, our own, you know, wishes were were in constant evolution. (laughs) But at the end of the day, 
we felt that choosing the right partner was more important than, you know, just what was on, on a piece of paper for the long term of, of Noah Home and the team. Yeah. And this does, this strategic partnership or acquisition just seems to make a lot of sense. What have been the biggest impacts? Because we're almost coming up on a year, I guess, since the acquisition, if it was in 2022 in the spring or summer. What have been the biggest impacts on the business since the acquisition? So I think it starts with the environment, actually, Eric, because the environment has changed dramatically. The competitive landscape has changed substantially in terms of all of the um, competitors that we you know, originally used to compete with, many of which are no longer operating, which has been you know, just very humbling. Uh, two is consumer demand has pulled uh, considerably. Um, especially for high ticket items. So at NOAA, our AOV is about you know, $1,800 in Canada. And so we've seen that you know, you know, hit basically the consumer uh, significantly. So how things have changed, number one is we are able to focus on what we do best, which is operating a great business. We have a great partner who obviously there's reasons, there's financial reasons and beyond. So we feel comfortable um, in what we're you know, doing at NOAA, number one. Number two, working within a publicly traded company has forced us to operate with even greater rigor uh, and greater financial rigor. So the, the requirements from accounting uh, to compliance are, are uh, significant, uh, you know, to go from a privately owned Canadian business to a business that has to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley and U.S. Gap and so on, and we're still seven. <laughs> we're not yeah. that many people. Yeah, um, is is was was difficult, but fundamentally super important for our business, and we're only managing it better and healthier. Uh, following the acquisition. So that's been, that's been huge. Um, it's basically just forced us to become better at what we do in this environment. And then what, what has bled in in terms of like uh, the partnership? Like are you, is No Home now selling in any retail locations at, at Bassett? Like what has the crossover been in terms of uh, the partnership? So uh, prior to completing the acquisition, some of the conversations were about our vision, what was important to Bassett, of course, and trying to find alignment there. And so for the first, I would say, six months, it was really about, and just to make a small kind of footnote, a lot of businesses within the e-commerce space, I mean, we've seen valuations for publicly traded D2C brands fall by up to 90%. And a lot of companies, not just in D2C, like across the board, have really placed an emphasis on bottom line, unit economics, profitability, whichever way you want to look at that. And so for Noah Home, there were a few priorities that were set um, together with, with Bassett. The first was to expand into Western Canada. So we actually didn't at the time have the necessary capital to do so. Uh, we don't drop ship. So we actually operate warehouses around the world and opening another facility in uh, Western Canada with a grade 3 PL at the time wasn't possible 
following the acquisition, we were able to do that. And uh, thanks to that, we were able to, to deliver you uh, a couch a couple, couple weeks or months ago. Um, the second was to focus on as much as possible on unit economics um, within all of our four countries. The third was to start introducing products from Basset. So we actually launched a modular sofa made in the United States. Um, really pumped and excited about that. And so those were really some core focuses for us. And then bringing, you know, it's not as sexy, but getting the business structurally to a place that uh, from compliance, finance and all that was, was also very important to us. A heavy lift. And I'm wondering <laughs> now that you've, you've kind of probably knocked off a lot of those goals or you're working towards them, what does your day-to-day look like as someone overseeing this, you know, your acquired brand at this point, have you, have you, I guess I don't, you don't want to say you've detached from it, but have you gained a little space? Have you gained more? Are you doing more things with your family, for instance, now that you've, you've sold the business? Or are you working just as hard? No, no, that, that hasn't changed. And, and the reason is I love what I do and I'm so, and I, and I love the people I work with at NOAA. Um, the, the folks who joined us when we started the business are still here. I mean, we're still a small team. Um, but I'm fortunate to have a great team to love what I do and to now work with folks at Bassett who seemingly love what they do, uh, with that heritage, it's, um, it's a gift. And so for me to now, you know, when, when I was a, Found, I mean, I still am a founder, but when we were operating the business privately, um, we always did what was best for the company. Um, and of course, there's a personal uh, obligation to do that. The, the risk as well is there. Um, following the acquisition, you know, maybe the, how could I put it? The exposure is different, you know, the banks and all these kinds of things. Th- those things kind of change. But to now be a steward for Noah Home and for Bassett, to me, is almost a greater responsibility because there's, it still bears my son's name. So uh, for those that may have not heard the first podcast uh, or, or read it elsewhere, Noah was named after my, my son, Noah, uh, which means to comfort. So that attachment will always be there. Uh, so I feel a deep sense of responsibility to do the very best for Bassett and the customer. And now that you're, you're partnered with this company that's been around for over a hundred years and has, you know, you, you just see the potential, I guess, too, right? Like, you know, you, you've grown it, you grew it so fast with such a small team. You see, you know, now in partnering with a company like Bassett that has this incredible footprint, um, you you probably fired up by the potential to to grow in that partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I think as entrepreneurs, and you've had some incredible guests, um, there's always a desire to pursue new things, to try new things, to build. It Fundamentally, I think entrepreneurs all share this desire to build something that they believe in. And uh, it couldn't be more true today for, for the team at NOAA. I think, you know, that word steward is very important to me. The environment has changed. And whether that we were a private business that was owned by you know two shareholders or now part of Bassett, we have a responsibility to run a, a business as as you know healthy as we we can. And so that's been our focus. 
the future is, is very exciting in the sense that there are a number of channels that have yet to be explored, retail and beyond. We only have, you know, two, three core categories. There are so many more categories for the home that we'd love to enter. Uh, and there's some really exciting stuff in the pipeline there. And then uh, new markets. Uh, so the U.S. is is certainly a country we'd love to uh, to enter uh, in a very short uh, future. Nice. Well, you'll have to come back on when uh, once you've conquered that. Um, <laughs> what's what? Is there anything you've done? Anything you've splurged on either for you or your family to really celebrate this huge, huge win? Vacation. Uh, I hadn't taken a vacation in I think seven seven years, and. I can't recall if I shared this with you on the first time, but you know, I started the business with uh, JC, our co-founder. Uh, basically, the weekend that my son was born, that my father was was diagnosed with cancer, and then we ran this business for seven years. We went through all the things that so many other entrepreneurs went through: the pandemic and all these kinds of things. And it was just twenty-four-seven. And I had two kids during this whole time. And we young never kids. took young kids. Yes. So yeah. my, my son's now seven. My daughter was born during COVID and we yeah. never took a vacation. Uh, so, you know, once, you know, things were, were completed and we felt that, um, you know, everything was on a, on proper footing, uh, we took a, a quick short vacation as a family, which was nice. <laughs> Where'd you go? Uh, we went to the Bahamas. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that was nice. <laughs> I'm in this three month or I'm in this three year run on D to C so far. And I, I've, I've been, I've taken a few weekends here and there. So, but I, but I'm looking forward to a proper, like a good, like minimum 10 day, two week thing where you can really like, did you unplug? Did you unplug and enjoy yourself uh, on your first vacation in seven years? Well, it, you know, it's never really been work uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, even today, it, it doesn't feel like work. Um but you know, you kind of force yourself when your kids want to go to, yeah, to the pool or or swimming. Uh, but you you're not you even if you're unplugged from your email, I feel there's always something going on in in, in our minds. What's next? What what can we do? What product can we introduce? Uh, things like that. So, but it, it was welcome. That, that's for sure. <laughs> One more question about the content too. We talked a little bit about some of the impact that Bassett is having on your business. What have you done seminars on a, on uh, e-commerce or what has Noah provided back to the parent organization in terms of all of your know-how about digital growth? Certainly not seminars. Uh, we, we are learning a lot from Bassett and, um, and that's been really humbling. Um, we try to share uh, what we can with the team there. They have incredible. They ha they have an extraordinary team across all of their divisions and and business units. Um, what we could bring and what we try to bring is we're international, so we're in Australia, Singapore, UK, Canada. We've of course been in the D 2 C space for a very long time, both at NOAA and prior to NOAA. So we just kind of share a lot of data points with them. What we're seeing, whether that's what are CPMs in Australia? What are you know various conversion rates around the world? What are trends that we're seeing with customers? Um, how do we manage 3PLs and logistics and all of these geographies? And we share this knowledge, not in the sense that um, we have, you know, we're ahead, but but more so to give a 
maybe a bigger aperture uh, to the BASA team. And then likewise, they're, they're able to share with us what they're seeing as a large organization, a far larger organization than NOAA, whether that's digital or outside of you know, e-commerce, so retail, uh, manufacturing, and so on. But what we try to do on a weekly basis is share uh, what a lot of your audience would, would talk about, you know, ROAS, media efficiency ratios, things like this. That uh, that don't typically creep up in a in a more traditional organization. Very cool. Well, if you're out there and you want like the the most stylish, comfortable couch, you should probably get a <laughs> sectional Kennedy uh, brown uh, dark dark brown leather, which is what I have. Uh, it's just it's it's a thing of beauty. I thank you for creating these 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 amazing products, bringing them into the world. And for, I didn't realize that how close I was to not even being able to get it shipped to actually being able to fulfill it out west too. Yes, um, yeah. very cool. Go to noahome.com and check out their stuff. If you like, I think there's a good Victoria sale on right now. There is. Yeah. Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, Eric. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, to to everyone listening in, you know, it's tough uh, out there. Um, but, but you could definitely reach out to me, uh, anytime, uh, whether that's through Eric or, or Twitter, LinkedIn, it's tough out there for founders. We have to stick together as entrepreneurs in the D to C space. And, um, if ever I could help in any way, I'd be more than happy to, uh, even if it's just to lend some support and morale within the current context of things. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, your experience going through this evolving process over just the specifically these past years and to get such a, such a great outcome that you're so thrilled with, not only for what you were maybe able to take off the table, but also for what you're able to kind of do going forward. It seems like a really great situation for you. So I'm really happy. We're super lucky. We're super lucky to be part of uh, this great organization. So, uh, I, I really hope this story, uh, resonates and, and, uh, is helpful to your audience. Nice. Thanks, brother. Talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.